Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Called to live, commanded to love, commissioned to serve. But here we say it this way, we live, we love, we serve. Amen. The text that we are going to be coming from today is out of Nehemiah. We will never be in Nehemiah, but we are going to be in Nehemiah, Old Testament, chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, I am reading from the NRSV version, and it says, it says, then he, he being Ezra, said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared for this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. God, we thank you that you make us strong in the broken places. God, we thank you that when the world gives us so many things to cry about, that there is still joy in you. God, we thank you Because who we are today is not who we were yesterday and it is not who we will be tomorrow. God, we thank you for the joy in spite of everything. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Give me three feeling words. Those are the words and the challenge that my therapist gives to me at the beginning of every session. Give me three feeling words. And you would think that after five years of regularly seeing my therapist that I would not devolve every time she asks me the question. You would think that five minutes before the session I might think about how I was feeling, so I could answer the question. But every time she asks me to give her three feeling words, I am stumped. And for many years, I thought it was because I just didn't know what I was feeling. But what I've come to recognize as I've matured is that sometimes it is difficult to give voice to emotions that feel incongruent with one another to feel the highest of highs and the lowest of lows around the same exact experience. That can be jarring. Have you ever been there? Where something you are experiencing can be the locus of both your greatest joy and also your greatest pain? Have you ever been there when the feelings you have are incongruent with the moment? Have you ever been sitting in a situation that is supposed to be a celebratory one? but all you can feel is your pain. It's like you're there 
You're in the moment. You know that you're supposed to feel good. You know that this is the manifestation of something that you prayed for. You know that this is the end result of your work. You know that this is the thing that you've been waiting for and asking for, but you cannot get your head and your heart to agree on how you are supposed to be feeling. Have you ever been there trying to figure out how to make room for joy in the midst of your pain. And that question is the one that the Jews had to grapple with as they sat in front of the water gate, in front of Ezra, as he read from the book of the law of Moses. See, these are exiles that had just returned from Babylon. They are a diasporic people who had been taken into Babylonian exile from a king who had besieged their town, had destroyed their temple, and had deported their best of their best. Let me run you back through the brief traumatic history of the Israelites. They were in covenant with God, and God basically said, if you obey me and do what I say and obey my commandments, we're good. I will bless you. If you don't, I'm going to let your enemies run up all in through here. And so what you read in the Old Testament is this consistent back and forth where Israelite, the Israelites cannot keep their commitment to God. Even though God sends prophets and judges and folks to warn them, they cannot keep their commitment. So finally, God says, okay, I'm going to give you unto yourselves. And God allows King Nebuchadnezzar to come in and take them into Nebuchadnezzar, into um, exile. But Nebuchadnezzar, see, he doesn't take all of the people. He decides that he's only going to take the best of the best. He's going to take their lawyers and their doctors and their scribes, and he's going to leave everybody else in Judah to fend for themselves. And then he takes about what's 25% of the population. And not only does he take them in and they are in prison, but he encourages them to assimilate to marry foreign wives, to have children, to accumulate wealth. They had farmland. Some of them were doing better in captivity without God than they were doing in freedom with God. Some of them were doing better in captivity without God than they were doing in freedom with God. But then after about six decades, God decides to give them a second chance. And so King Cyrus comes in from the Persian Empire. He defeats the Babylons, and then he is prompted by God to let the Israelites go back to Jerusalem. He gives them money to build their temples and to fortify their walls. But here's the catch. Ezra leads the people back to Jerusalem. And when they get there, they re realize that they have brought along with them foreign wives and children. And that was one of the big no-nos for God. So what the leaders decide to do is to send away the wives and the children. And now that's problematic for me for a whole nother reason, but we're going to stay in the text for today. But I just want to acknowledge that I got a problem with that. But anyway, they had to put boundaries and space between the people that they loved for the sake of their future. Boundaries and space. And so they send them away to fend for their own. And that's not always an easy choice to make. You ever had to put boundaries in between the people that you love? So that your future can be solidified. 
And so here they are now back. And when they get back, you would think that it's smooth sailing, but no, they begin to build those walls up. They begin to build that temple up. And then the enemies get scared because they remembered who the Israelites were when they had God on their side. And so they keep trying to convince Nehemiah to stop the people from building. Because sometimes when people see your power and they see you beginning to build, they get nervous. And so they try to deter you. So they try to convince Nehemiah to stop the people from building. And so, but they don't. And so for 52 days straight, they build night and day. They do not stop. They build, they work, they grind to fortify their walls. And yes, they had an assignment to do, but I know a little bit about working and grinding. And what we know is sometimes we work and we grind and we keep going so that we do not have to deal with the weight of our emotions. If they're working and grinding, they don't have to think about the people that they left behind. If they're working and grinding, they don't have to think about how maybe they miss the captivity and the toxicity a little bit. If they keep working and grinding, they never have to stop and deal and grapple with those incongruent feelings that they're feeling to be free, but not fully be free. But at some point, the work always stops. And the moment in our text today is that moment. They have built for 52 days and they are breathing. You know how that feels after you've worked. Dr. Green, you're probably going to do it today. You're going to go home and you're going to sit on your couch and you're going to feel good and it's over. But then before you know it, all of the other things are going to come rushing in. You don't even get a moment to breathe. And so here they are together. And you've got to understand if they're a collective like we, it's not just the people who had got exiled and came back. It's also the people who never left. And they're sitting here together in front of Ezra, trying to identify how they can build a collective identity, how they can live harmoniously. How are they going to do this thing together? And so they go to what they know is familiar. Ezra, read from the book of the law of Moses. And so Ezra stands before them. He opens the book and it says that as soon as he started reading, they stood. And it says that he read from morning to midday. Men, women, and children, they stood. Six hours, they stood. I can't stand in the wrong shoes when Pastor Mike reads five verses from the pulpit, but they stood for hours listening to the book of the law of Moses, and it says that they began to weep. They began to weep. And it's easy for us to say that those were tears of joy, right? But if they were tears of joy, I don't know that Ezra would have told them to stop. But there are lots of reasons why hearing what Ezra was reading might have caused tears. Maybe it's memories and nostalgia of a past life that was no longer there. Perhaps it was the guilt that they felt from their past transgressions. For some of them, remember, if they were born in exile, they had never heard the book of the law. So it is hearing it for the first time. And some of them, I believe, heard it and the tears brought fear. You ever had the second chance at something? Many of us wish that we could go back and redo a moment, redo a job, redo a relationship, redo something. And we don't always get that opportunity. But sometimes 
you actually get a second chance. But here's the thing about second chances. You can be so caught up in what happened previously that you just want to get it right. You want to do everything right. You want to dot every I. You want to cross every T. And so you hold on so close because you're trying to be perfect that you never actually live in the moment because you just don't want to mess up. Waiting for the shoe to drop. Wondering if what you're experiencing is real. You don't want to squander the second chance, but your inability to celebrate in the moment means that you're in your second chance, but you're stuck. And so perhaps Ezra looked out across the throngs of people and he realized that they were stuck in their tears, in their pain, in that moment. And so he gives them a charge, go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Because here's the thing about pain. You can hold on to your pain so tightly that you do not make any room for joy. Pain has the ability to suck out the life force of every other emotion that you are experiencing. You start to feel a little good about something and that pain comes in and tells you to feel a little guilty about the fact that things are going better than for you. You start to feel a little good about something and that pain, pain creeps in and you get fearful that you're going to lose something. Pain will suck out every other emotion. It does not like to share. It does not go easily into the night and it doesn't go away just because you want it to. So Ezra, it is as if he stops them in their tracks and he says, no, you are not going to go from captivity to captivity because it's comfortable for you to stay in your pain. You are not going to trade physical imprisonment for emotional imprisonment because it's comfortable. Do not make a home in your pain like you made a home in Babylon. No, it is time to move to joy. And then he gives them, he gives them the formula for it. What does he say? He says, go your way. He's literally telling them to move, to move from this place, move from this moment, move from the pain, because the reality is God is no longer in your pain. God is at the finish line waiting at joy, and you are still in your pain, but God is not there anymore. Move from this place. And then God says, eat the fat. Or Ezra says it, God don't say it, but I believe that God, you know, said it through Ezra. Eat the fat. The fat were the best portions. The fat was the good thing. It was the thing that you saved for the special occasion. But Ezra's saying, no, 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 today is that special occasion. Don't wait to eat the fat. Eat the best portions now. Don't wait. Don't save it for another time and drink the sweet wine, which is all also celebratory. Because some of us wait for the right moment to celebrate. We're waiting for the big thing, the big moment. And we do not learn how to just celebrate right where we are with what we have. You can celebrate the book deal even though the book isn't written. 
You can celebrate the job interview, even if you haven't gotten the job yet. You can celebrate that you're going out on dates, even if you ain't met the spouse yet. You can celebrate right now along the journey and not just wait until you get to the destination. Eat the fat today. Drink the sweet wine today. Because your joy is the prescription to your pain. When you celebrate, it is the prescription to your pain. And then, Ezra says, send portion to, to those who have nothing prepared. And what Ezra is saying is share what you have with others because some of us are joy hoarders, right? We don't want to share nothing. I know that there have been times in my life where good and great things are happening. I don't want to tell anybody because, oh, I don't want them to feel bad about what's not going on good in their life. I don't want anybody to think that I'm bragging. All the reasons we decide that we are not going to share what is happening for us in the moment, but we are hoarding joy when Ezra is saying, no, 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 because you don't know with what you're sharing does for somebody else. And not just the good five minute, 30 second snippets on Instagram, right? You have to share the entire journey because what we have, um, what we have a habit of doing is looking at people's lives and idolizing their lives and saying, oh, hashtag goals. That's what we want. And you don't know what it costs. You don't know what it took to get that 30 second snippet that you're seeing. You don't know the pain, you don't know the tears, you don't know the work, you don't know what I lost, you don't know what I gave up to get that little moment. But that's just not on us looking, that's on us who choose not to share. Because how do we expect people to know if we don't share our experience so that someone can say that yes, my trauma can turn into testimony. Yes, man, you went through that and you still did that. But when we don't let folk know, people think it's all good all the time and you get never give the opportunity for people to see that there's a journey. And if you did it, so can I. Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet wine and share with those who do not have, who have enough or have nothing has been prepared because this day is holy and it's not your tears and your grief that make it holy. It is when you go and celebrate and find the joy. It is not in listening to a book of rules because that's also what the book of the law of Moses was. It was rules of what they should and what they shouldn't do. It was as if they were trying to return to a previous relationship they had with God. I do this and I do that because that's how God had operated with them. But God says, no, this time I'm trying to formulate something new with you. It's not just in the rules. It's in the relationship. It's in the celebration. It's in the way in which we have a real relationship, not one predicated on a checklist of what you do and you don't do, but one that is real, try and true. Ezra says the posture of your pain is not required today. 
That is not what is on the agenda today. You have paid penitence. They have paid penitence for what they did, being in exile. They had done the work, building up those walls. They had cut off people for the sake of the future. They deserve to experience something more than their pain. Let me bring it to you. You have done the work. You have apologized. You have went to therapy. You have done what you need to do. You have paid for the things that you have done. You have created healthy boundaries. You have cut off who you needed to. You deserve to experience something more than your pain. Don't be grieved. Don't be grieved because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that translation is cool. But what I really love is the Tanakh translation, the Jewish translation of that scripture, because it doesn't say the joy of the Lord is your strength. How it really translates is your joy in the Lord is the source of your strength. Your joy in the Lord. And why I like that is because when you say the joy of the Lord is your strength, it kind of feels like an external thing. Something God's joy is imbued on you and then you have strength. But when you say that your joy in the Lord is your strength, then that becomes a choice. It's something that emanates from you. It's not based on external things, your joy, not your happiness, because there is a difference. Happiness is fleeting right? It is an inconsistent emotion. You can feel happy one moment and then you can feel not so happy another moment. But joy is an internal disposition. It is a decision you make. Joy emanates from your spiritual experiences with God. It emanates from a place of gratitude. It emanates from a place of thankfulness. It emanates from your care for others. It is not about what car you have, what house you have, what job you have, what degree you have, what clothes you're wearing, what name brand you have. It is not based on externality. It is an internal disposition because happiness is because of. Because of this, I feel happy because of this, but joy is in spite of. In spite of my trauma, I have been joy. In spite of my pain, I have this. In spite of this, I will praise the Lord. In spite of this, happiness is because of. Joy is in spite of. It is an active choice you make in spite of your circumstances. Joy trumps fear, anxiety, guilt, your old narratives, your trauma. It trumps all of that because it is an internal joy. It's an internal decision to stay rooted in something. Joy teaches us that the pain doesn't have to last forever. But it is our choice to move from it. Somebody in here in six weeks may or may not be releasing a book. (laughs) And in this book, Pastor Mike, I'm talking about it, please go buy it, shop.fcbcnyc.org. In one of the chapters, it says, the yesterday we are living in is filled with tainted memories that can be brutal. It is easy to get lost in yesterday's sorrow. 
But the key to rebelling against regret is remembering that when yesterday gives you a hundred reasons to cry, today can give you a thousand reasons to smile. Those clapping are turning to dollar size too. Go buy that book. There is no need to perform emotional CPR on a dead past. Learn from the past, but live for today. Learn from the past, but live for today. And I feel like Ezra is saying the same thing. Yesterday happened. We were in captivity. There are some tainted memories. Maybe you were in captivity because of something you did or some folks were probably there just because of what their parents did. But don't get lost in yesterday's sorrow. The key to this is remembering that you might have reasons to cry as they were doing in that moment, but you have even more reasons to smile. Do not be grieved. Do not be grieved. Move towards what God is trying to do now. That is your strength. And I love it because strength actually translates into fortified place. So what it is saying is your joy in the Lord is your fortified place. Not the walls that you build and erupt, erect thinking that they're going to keep you safe. Not the walls and the, the walls we build in here to protect ourselves. Not the walls we build to try to hide away from the pain that we experience. No. Your joy in the Lord is what fortifies you. That is what strengthens you. That is what covers you. That is what protects you. Because sometimes we use our pain and trauma as false protection because movement into joy in the good is so unfamiliar and scary. We, we, we think we want it, but, you, but we are scared because it's unfamiliar. So some of us just rather sit in our pain because it has been a journeyman with us this entire way. We don't know what to do without that pain. We don't know how it feels to not have that weight. We don't even know how to have a healthy relationship with joy. But joy turns weeping nights into joyous mornings. Joy makes bad times. Blessed times. Joy can take your heartache and turn it into gratitude. The video said lean into joy, but no. Today, we don't need to lean into joy. We need to move to the joy. So for any of you who are here today, I'm going to tell you what Ezra told them. Go your way. Eat the fat meat. Drink the sweet wine. Share it with others. Leave your grief right here. Don't take it out this door with you because your joy in the Lord 
is your fortified place. Do we have some people in here today who want to move into joy? Do we have some people in here today who want to leave the pain behind? Are we, do we have some people in here today who want to say no longer? Pain cannot, you can have the pain, but just scoot it on over a little bit and let joy sit down next to you for a minute. Let the joy hold you. Let the joy walk with you. Let the joy remind you that you are more than your past. You're more than any moment. You're more than any situation. You have paid the penitence. You have done the work. Do not be grieved because your joy in the Lord is your fortified place. Amen. Amen. And right now, what I want to do is because I know, right, it's easier said than done. It is hard to let pain go. I was having a conversation, me and my mom, my mom we were out to lunch and we were talking about a situation. We were out um, with one of my friends and we were talking about there was a season in my life where I was particularly angry. And I wasn't really angry, I was hurt. And I didn't want to let it go because the pain was all that I had. That anger was all that was kind of keeping me together. It was the only way I was able to kind of function is because I had to hold on to that. But when I made the decision to let it go, what ushered in after that was beautiful. And it was worth it. I promise you, letting go of your pain is worth it. Whether you get the apology or not, whether they forgive you or not, whether you can recover what you lost or not, letting go of the pain to make room for your joy is worth it. And so if there are any of you today who know that you are having difficulty letting go of that pain, joy feels like it is playing hide and seek with you. If that is you, I want you to come down today. Come on. So that we can pray with you. And I want you to look around because often what our pain does is it tells us that we are alone. But when you look at all of the folk coming, you are not alone. You are not by yourself. And what I want you to do today right now is you don't have to wait for a deacon or a pastor or somebody to touch you or grab you. You have a neighbor that is next to you that you can put your hand on, that you can hug if they feel comfortable, that you can be the support system for in this moment. And we'll wait, we wait. We know that some of you are coming from the balcony. We will wait for you because God waits for you. We are not in a rush, not when it comes to your joy. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. There's no quick fix here. But just in your choosing, because some of us abdicate our choice 
We give power to the situation, the spaces and the places and the people in our lives. And we act as if we do not have a decision or the choice. It may have not been your choice that you fell or that you were on the ground or you got knocked down, but it is very much your choice and your responsibility whether you get up or not. You do not have to wait for someone to come and get you. Take up your mat today and walk. Choose joy today. God of joy, we thank you that our tears had a safe resting place. But today, God, we want to be fortified in something else. Joy. An internal disposition that reminds us that we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. An internal disposition that remembers that there is nowhere that we can go where your love is not. An internal disposition that reminds us that in spite of our circumstances, in spite of what we've been through, in spite of what we may see right now, it does not yet appear who we will be, God, that this moment didn't kill us because we are here. And that you have not called us just to live life, but you've called us to a life of abundance. And in that abundance is our joy, not from external things, God. For so, for some of us today, we need a mind shift because for some of us, we have been equating our happiness and our joy with what we have and we don't have. But that does not make us who we are because it says that when you formed us in our mother's wombs, you knew us and you called us good from the get. It's not about what we have or what we do, we are good, whole, lacking nothing. So in this moment, we get to have joy. The pain came, but we get to have joy and we will fight for it. In the same way we fought to hold on to that pain or we fought for things that should have left our lives and we tried to keep doors open that should have been slammed, we will fight for our pain, our joy. because it is worth it and it is beautiful. And it is a land for us flowing with milk and honey. God, we want to walk into our promised land because we know that you are no longer resident in the pain right now. You are waiting at our joy. So we are coming for it. Whether we walk there, crawl there, whether someone has to carry us there, whether we have to jump on somebody's back, whether we're walking there by ourselves, whether we're holding the hand of somebody else, we will get to joy because we get to have joy. We love you, God. We are grateful and we are thankful. It is in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.
Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to seeing you next time.